dismiss all of our elementary age students, grades K through five. Your teachers are in the hall. Boom. All right. Proverbs 9. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9. We'll read all 18 verses. It's good to see each and every one of you on this Lord's Day. My name is Brandon Reddick and I have the privilege of serving as lead pastor here at the Bridge Church. For all of you, for those of you who this is your first or second time with us, we, we say thank you so much for joining us on this day. We know that there are several other options and churches that you could have attended, so we do not take it lightly that you have honored us with your presence. Proverbs chapter 9 is where we'll be studying from this morning. Let us uh, stand, as is our custom, in honor and reverence to God's holy word. Proverbs chapter 9, beginning with verse number 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has honed her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For me, for by me your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, and the bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, and that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Chapters 1 through 9 of the book of Proverbs comprise the prologue or the introduction to the entire book of 
Proverbs. The purpose of this prologue by this wise sage is to persuade the young, the naive, the gullible, the impressionable, the immature, to accept and pursue wisdom and to reject and cast off folly. His teaching strategy thus far has been to exalt the benefits of wisdom and to warn the young that the way of folly is fatal. We now, beloved, come to the climax of this father's appeal. The time has now come for a decision. It is the day of commitment. This father in this prologue is saying to this son, we've reached a fork in the road. This morning in chapter 9 of Proverbs, we will see two invitations are going out. And for the youth and for us, beloved, the question is, which way will we go? Whose invitation will we accept? Let's look at these invitations. First of all, what I want us to see, I've got two points this morning. The first one is in this text, in the first section, and in the bottom section, we see two competing banquets. Two competing banquets. Let, let, let's look at the, the, the preparation made by each of these hostesses. Look at Lady Wisdom. Verse 1 says, to prepare for this banquet, she has built a house with seven pillars. This, these seven pillars indicate that it is a large and spacious house. And it has enough room to accommodate everyone who will accept her invitation. She's built a house that has seven pillars. Some say that that house is actually the whole world that was built in seven days. Verse 2 says, to prepare for this banquet, she has slaughtered animals. And she has mixed wine because pure wine was considered unfit to drink. So she perhaps put spices in there. Wine oftentimes in the scripture symbolizes joy. So, so she wants us to know that this is a festive occasion. This is a celebration. The food and the drink, they symbolize the teachings of this father, Solomon the teachings of this wise. She's built the house, she's prepared the food, and now she says she's set the table. 
She, she is ready for her guest to come in and dine in her home. The fact that she has a table signifies that Lady Wisdom is wealthy. Tables were common in wealthy homes, but not in ordinary homes. We see the building of a house, the slaughtering of animals. What's interesting is that those tasks are typically performed by men in Scripture. However, here we see Lady Wisdom performing these tasks, which signifies that Lady Wisdom is diligent, industrious, hardworking. And finally, Lady Wisdom, to prepare for this occasion, she sends out her own women, her, her own servants, to teach us that wisdom comes through intermediaries. Wisdom comes, beloved, through preachers, teachers, instructors, elders, pastors, and parents. So then, wisdom has prepared for this time and day of commitment. But what about Lady Folly? Let's go to the bottom section in verses 13 through 15. We, we are introduced to Lady Folly here by, by us being, learning that Lady Folly is brash, meaning that she is riotous because she's a loud mouth. And then we learn in verse 13 that she's also seductive. That Hebrew term there for seductive is actually better translated thoughtless. We see her thoughtlessness actually in, that, in her lack of preparation. Notice that in this section, nothing is said of her building a house. Nothing is said about her preparing uh, the feast. Nothing is said about her setting a table. Why? Because folly is marked by a lack of discipline. Folly is lazy. She doesn't plan or prepare. She has no servants because she doesn't need them because folly comes naturally to man. That's the preparation in these two competing banquets. From the preparation, we see two invitations. Look at, let's look together at the invitations from Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. Lady Wisdom invites all, whoever is simple. And she invites them to eat of her bread and drink of her mixed wine. Lady Wisdom is saying to them and to us, like food and wine nourish us physically, the teachings of the wise nourish us spiritually. So now, in this invitation, there's a call to repent. She says, leave your simple ways. Leave simplicity. Leave foolishness. Leave folly. Forsake foolishness and commit to wisdom. Become a philosopher, a student of wisdom, a lover of wisdom. 
Commit your ways to following the way of wisdom and walk in the way of insight. And so, Lady Wisdom says, leave and you can live. Lady Folly, in her invitation, this is what Lady Folly says to those she invites. Verse 17, stolen water is sweet and bread in secret is pleasant. Lady Folly, actually let's go back and, and observe something. Notice that unlike Lady Wisdom's feast, there is no meat or wine. Ladies folly, Lady Folly's meal is ordinary. There's nothing exceptional or exquisite about this feast. And so she says, come on, and I want you to drink of this stolen water. It's sweet. And that's a half-truth. It is stolen water does bring temporary pleasure. Now you're not talking back to me because you're like, who wants to steal water? It's water, it's everywhere. Remember that Pastor Dominic preached to us and in the text that he preached to us, he told us, the, the, the father said to the son, drink water from your own cistern. And what Pastor Dominic with his bad self told us is that what was actually being said is have sex with your own wife. So the water refers to sexual pleasure. So when she says stolen water is sweet, she is saying sex from another man's wife does bring pleasure. Then bread eaten in secret. What, what, what is all that about? This is bread that is taken under the cover of darkness. And so she is offering to her guests temporary pleasure. But what they don't know is if they accept her invitation, that temporary pleasure leads to permanent destruction. Because her guests are all dead, you know, in the depths of Sheol. Those are the two competing banquets that are being offered to those who have not yet committed to the way of wisdom or the way of folly. That's the top and the bottom, and I wish I could stop the sermon there because I had no clue what verses 7 through 12 were about. <laughs> but yet, I'm told to preach the whole counsel of God, and y'all pay me to figure out the hard stuff. <laughs> and that's why I hired Dominic. <laughs> In the middle, we see two contrasting responses to instruction, 
Two contrasting responses to instruction. There are two contrasting responders, the scoffer and the wise. Who, what is a scoffer? A scoffer is one who mocks those who teach wisdom. They mock those who submit to learning. A scoffer is proud. A scoffer is full of himself. Scoffers think they know it all. Scoffers are not teachable, coachable, or moldable. Scoffers balk at correction and discipline. That's one respondent, and it is said to those who will dispense wisdom, whoever corrects a scoffer gets abuse. That term abuse means shame, disgrace, honor. You try to correct someone who thinks they know everything, and all it does is bring shame to you who is trying to correct them. You try to reprove a wicked man, rebuke them, correct them, discipline them, and all that you do is incur injury. Injury, it speaks to moral blemish. And so the instruction is very clear here in verse 8. Don't reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. That word hate, it's an intense rejection. It is the feeling that one has towards an enemy. Here is the lesson clearly. Don't waste your time on scoffers. Nothing good will come out of it. They're not worth the time or the investment. Your energies are better spent elsewhere. If they're better spent elsewhere, then the question is, so where? Then that's where the wise come in. Look at verse 8b with me. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The wise love their teachers. They accept their teachers. They embrace and are committed to learning. When instruction is given to wise, they become wiser. They don't wait, uh, waste wisdom and take it for granted. You teach the wise and they become smarter. They increase in learning. They have more knowledge to apply throughout life. So this, here's a lesson. The wise are worth your time. They are worth investing in. And, and implicitly, he is saying, they are the ones you should be inviting to your banquet. Here's a question for you. What's the difference then between the scoffer and the wise? How do I know if I'm a scoffer or I'm wise? Verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Here it is. This is the defining line 
between the wise and the scoffer. One, the uncommitted will become one or the other. The uncommitted will either become wise or they will become a scoffer. How do I know which one? I am the fear of the Lord. Is the foundation. That's the starting point to wisdom. Believing in God and making a faith commitment to God is the starting point for the wise. You cannot pass gold until you commit to the Lord. Beloved, discipleship begins with submitting to the highest authority, the Lord. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 says, all authority, Jesus is speaking, he's risen from the dead, he's with his disciples, and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus declares, I am large and in charge. I am king over kings, Lord over all lords. And he says that since I have the highest authority, this is the beginning point to wisdom, the beginning point, the foundational principle to, to, to building the house of wisdom is submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. And beloved, we submit, we come under his authority by making a faith commitment to following him. Now, I want you to notice something. I have intentionally used this term, faith commitment. We were having devotion the other day, my children and I, and we were talking about the very basis of the gospel and how one becomes saved. And they said to believe. And, and, and I said, okay, well, what does that mean? Does that mean you just agree with these historical facts about Jesus and you will be saved? They kind of looked at me like this looks like a setup, Dad. <laughs> and so I told them that's part of it, but that's not all of it. When we are called to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are called to leave our ways and commit our ways unto him. It is a full surrender, a commitment to follow after him. Where he goes, I will go. Where he leads, I will follow. That, that, that is faith. It is a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. See, see, those who have made a faith commitment to Jesus Christ can say, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So faith commitments mean I'm willing to die to myself. A faith commitment says, Lord, even if I have to take up a cross, I'll do it for you. And see, now, we, now we've got to be careful when we say that all we have to do is trust and believe. That is true. Those are biblical terms, but those terms are much, they mean so much more than what we think. It's not just a mental agreement with the facts, these historical facts, that Jesus died, buried, and rose again. But it's also because I believe those facts is now it informs my faith in that I'm going to follow after him hard. Lord, Lord, a faith commitment to Jesus Christ means that even if I have to reject mother and father, I will for the Lord Jesus Christ. A faith commitment 
is like this. Come here, brother Job. Job went through it all, and his woman told him, you better curse God and die. Job said, no, I won't. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Even through suffering, trials, and heartaches, I will keep my eyes on the Lord. I'm committed to him knowing that he is sovereign over all. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are sovereign and in control and through the ups and the downs. Lord, I'm committed to you. I may not always understand it. And Lord, sometimes I'm going to be outright pissed off at you. But Lord, I'm going to keep following you. I'm going to wait until my change comes. I'm trying, man. We need more committed folks. And so friend, my question simply to you, and my Easter speech is almost done. (laughs) Have you committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you willing to die to self And commit to Jesus Christ. If you have not yet committed your life, made a faith commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are in the house of folly. And that house leads to destruction. But I've got good news. I'm a gospel preacher. The good news is that Jesus stands here today. He's from the top of the mountains or down in the lowest valley. Jesus is calling and he said, no matter what you've done, there is no sin that my grace can't cover. There is no transgression, no trespass that the blood has not already covered. Whatever you've done, it's been nailed to the cross. So come on into my house. (laughs) Come on into my house house because in my house what you will find is love in my house there is grace in my house there is mercy in my house the blood covers all your sins in my house you are made white as snow in my house your shame has been carried as far as the grave in my house there is therefore now no condemnation come on in the house Jesus is standing here today with arms wide open saying, I love you and I love you so much that I died on the cross. Not for my sin, but for your sin. Whatever it is, it's been nailed to the cross. Forgiveness is available. But you got to come on in the house. Commit your ways unto the Lord. Leave the ways of folly. Leaning on your own understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the, help me preach, the fear of the Lord is the, y'all said it, not me. The fear of the Lord is not the end of wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. Beloved, this today is not just a day of commitment 
for the uncommitted who have not chosen the way of wisdom or folly, but today is also a day of, of commitment for the under-committed. See, some of us, we, we, we began on this path of wisdom. We fear the Lord. We've made a faith commitment to Jesus Christ, but we've stopped there. And Jesus expects us to, to grow in the knowledge and wisdom of the Lord. Look at this. Let me show you that this is not just an Old Testament principle, but it's also in the New Testament. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Peter says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he was telling his audience, I want you to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ so that you are not led away by error of lawless men. Look at Colossians chapter one with me. Verses nine through 10, Paul says, this is my prayer for you. He says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge, knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Later on in Colossians chapter 1, Verse 28, Paul says, not only do I pray for this, but let me tell you about my proclamation as well. Paul says, him we proclaim. This is my verse, y'all. I like this one as a preacher. Him, that's Jesus Christ, we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Beloved, Christ is to be proclaimed from the mountaintops so that we will grow into spiritual maturity. We are not to remain infants or babes in Christ. We're not to stay on milk. We need to go from milk to meat. Those who grow in, in, in Christ will be able to say, I've put away childish thinking, childish reasoning, childish ways. I've become a full-grown adult in the Lord. So, beloved, my question for you this morning, are you growing in the knowledge and wisdom of the Lord? How do I know, Reverend? Is your walk more consistent with the way of Jesus or the way of the world? When it comes to making decisions in life, when it comes to forming your worldview, your, your beliefs about and your values, is it more consistent with the way of Jesus or the way of the world? Are your talking points sounding more like Jesus or more like the world? Another way to know if you're growing in the knowledge of Christ, Paul helps us, he says, that we should be bearing fruit in every good work. Is there fruit from your walk with Christ? 
Matter of fact, let's back up. He says in every good work, do you do good works? Are you doing good deeds that bring glory to God? Are you doing good deeds that demonstrate your love for your neighbor? Beloved, if we're growing in the knowledge and wisdom of the Lord, then our life goal, our life's aim will be to do what is pleasing to the Lord for the rest of our days. So today, worship team, you can come back, is a call to commit. For someone in here today, you need to commit to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You are uncommitted. And today Jesus is calling. And he's saying, I built a house. Come home. Today, commit to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Realize that you are a sinner and you are on the path that leads to death and destruction. But God's gift to you this morning is Jesus Christ, his son who laid down his life for your sins. And we know that God accepted his perfect work, his sacrificial work, because bright early Sunday morning, he got his son up from the grave and now his son can declare all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. But for the rest of us who have made that initial faith commitment, today you need to commit, recommit to growing in the knowledge and wisdom of the Lord. You may be here and you're, and you're realizing, you know what? My walk with Christ has become stagnant. It's plateaued. I'm just going through the notions of Christianity. And today, the call is for you to commit to come back in the house of wisdom house of Jesus Christ where you've been adopted into a family and grow. It's time to get off milk. I'm hungry. It's time for some prime rib. Today is a call to commit. Lord, I need to get back. I got off my reading plan. I want to commit to doing that more. Lord, I, I, I don't pray like I used to. Today I'm going to commit to praying. I'm going to set up strategies so that I can become more of a prayer. Well, I have to set myself in the lawn. Whatever it takes, I need to grow in the knowledge and wisdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things that we want to invite you into as a church, we're not going to finish the book of Proverbs. I don't know who made that decision. Actually, I do. But we're not finishing the book of Proverbs. And one of the things that we want to invite you into so that you can grow in wisdom 
that we want you to join us in reading a chapter of Proverbs every weekday for the rest of the month. That starts tomorrow. Proverbs chapter, starting with Proverbs chapter number 10. And on the 11th, you'll, you'll read, no. Then the next day, you'll read Proverbs chapter 11. And the weekends, we're going to set aside for catch up. To catch up, because we know we'll forget, we get behind, we get busy. But it's also time for meditation, reflection, and commitment. Next week, we're going to get back on that path. Because we need to commit our way ourselves to wisdom. And so for the rest of the month, we want to focus on the book of Proverbs. You can keep doing your reading plan, but we want you to also add in Proverbs. Because today is a call to commit to growing. I'm not going to stay the same after today. God's been too good. God has done too much. I will not take our relationship for granted anymore. Today I'm committed to the knowledge of the Holy One because that is insight. Our worship team now is going to sing the gospel to us. They're going to sing to us about how great a love and actually that there is no greater love than what Jesus has done for us in laying down his life so that we could be a part of his family and come into his home. Stay there. Listen.